This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. As we're continuing our series on that we might have hope, our text scripture has been found in Romans 15th chapter, verse 4. It says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Tonight, I want to talk about gaining some perspective, and so we want to learn from the Scriptures. It gives us, it gives us hope, but it, we learn from it. In other words, there's instruction. There's perspective that we can gain. A reason for Scripture is that we read these stories and we gain perspective. We're going to read a story tonight about Jesus, and we don't read it simply to get a historical perspective, but we also want an applicational perspective. So in other words, we don't read it and go, oh, that, that's a great story. No, these stories are, are there for a reason. There's a lot of stories they could have put in here about Jesus. A lot of stories that God could have placed in his word. He's brilliant. He's a genius. He's more than a genius. And so he, he knows exactly what's going to help us. And so when we look at these stories, we have to look at them and go, what can I learn from this? What can I gain from this that I cannot just know, hey, I know this story, but I can go, hey, I'm learning from this story I'm learning from this experience. If you know anything about learning, you know that experience will teach you. But experience a lot of times has no mercy when she's teaching you. She is, she's a tough teacher. I've always thought that Michael, our youngest, probably got less discipline than all the other kids because he, he was the third child and he watched what everyone did, probably made a mental note, don't do that. And so tonight we want to learn some things to do and then we also want to learn some things to eliminate, some things that are non-productive. And so we're going to talk tonight about the idea of opening the door to God more in our lives. Now, I don't know anybody out there that says, you know, Alan, I've got all the God I really want. I really don't need any more of his wisdom or his strength or his ability. Of course, if that's you, you're not watching this. You know that. If you're watching this, you're saying in your heart, I wish I had more of God in my life. I would like to have more of God in my life. Well, tonight we want to look at some, some ways that we can learn from Jesus, learn from the scriptures, and begin to open the door. And we're going, to, we're going to find that, listen, so much of the time we're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. So tonight as we look at that, I want to take us back to one of my favorite chapters in the book of Mark because it gives us a great contrast. I like contrast because it just it's easy You go, Oh, there's this, and then there's this on top of that. And when you compare the two, you go, aha, that's how we learn. So we're going to look at a group of people who, who actually closed the door on God doing anything big in their lives. And then we're going to look at a group that opened the door huge. And so, again, this is written not so we can just gain head knowledge. This is written so we can learn and go, oh, that's good. That will help me. And I believe, listen, as you listen to this, even you, you might be listening on Facebook, YouTube, Arc Live, regardless of how you're listening, in your heart, tell the Lord, thank you that I can learn something tonight. Not necessarily learn from Alan, but believe that God can deliver a message to you and give you insight on something maybe you've never even seen before. You know, the Holy Spirit has the ability to do that. And so as we look at this tonight, you open your hearts up real big. But let's read a passage in Mark, the sixth chapter. This is Jesus going to his hometown. In Mark 6, 1 through 6. It said, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, 
Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work. That's not a typo. He could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around in their villages in a circuit teaching. I love this thing. It's, it's, it's a great, we're going to read another contrast, but these are people that close the doors. In other words, we don't want to do this. And so Jesus was speaking in his hometown. This was not the launch of his ministry. Evidently, when Jesus is speaking here, this is not the first time he'd ever spoken before. This was, his ministry had been ongoing to this point. All his disciples were with him. He had had huge crowds following him. He had miracles. He had raised the dead. Mighty works were done. These are not small stuff. Big stuff was done. And so when Jesus is standing up in the synagogue and beginning to teach, you have to understand he's coming back in and spiritually speaking in a very religious country, he's the hottest thing happening, right? I mean, he is, it's going on. And you would think, man, if any group is going to be just open-armed and so excited to see Jesus and just open to whatever God wanted to do, you would think it would be the people in his hometown. But that wasn't the case. So we, we see here what they did and, and what they did was just like, oh, his hometown people missed what God was doing. Here's, one that, here's what you see here. They focused on the humanity of Jesus. Now, I want you to listen. I'm just going to go what they said. Where did this man get these things? What, what mighty works are done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter? Aren't his family here with us? And in effect, if, if you hear what they're saying is they really brought Jesus down pretty much to their level. That's how they knew him. When he grew up there, they knew him as the carpenter, as the brother of James and Joseph and Simon. They knew his sisters. They all work with, you know, work, I work with one of his sisters down at, at the Home Depot. You know, I, I work with his, I, I've made, uh, made wood with his, with his brothers and we did some things. together. Everybody knew Jesus. And yet what they did was they focused on, on his humanity, this man, his hands. He's a carpenter. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what they did was they missed what God was doing. No one even mentioned God. No one was thankful that Jesus showed up in their town. No one was expressing anything about how excited they were. In fact, they weren't excited. They were offended. Now, here's the thing. Here's, here's what they could have said. They could have said, wow, God has given Jesus some amazing stuff, man. I've, I've never heard teaching like this. Wow, what God has given him. They could have said, God is doing miracles through his hand. We've heard, we've heard about what God is doing through him. They could have said, a prophet has risen up, man, right here in our hometown. Who would have thought that God would have raised up a prophet from our hometown? And instead of being offended... They could have been excited, but they missed God. They, they focused so much on Jesus' humanity, and that's why Jesus said, he said, you know, a prophet's not without honor, except in his own town, in his own family. For some of you, if you've ever wondered sometimes 
why you've had a harder time maybe reaching family members or, or friends with the gospel is oftentimes they're not focusing on what God has done in you. They're focusing on, oh, I knew them. I used to party with them. Man, you know, they're, I know that man. We, we did some wild stuff together. And so, or I knew their family. I don't know why they think that God is, is doing something and they can completely miss God. And, and so best thing to do is pray for, for God to send somebody to, across their path. But sometimes reaching family members. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Some of your friends will listen to you and some of them will follow you. So all you have to do is say, you know what, guys? I have a relationship with Jesus and some people are going to tell me more about that and some are going to kind of back away, but you can reach some. But just understand sometimes if you're not being listened to, it's because you got people going, well, I remember when you were just a snotty-nosed kid because they focused so much on what you used to be. So what happened there is they missed what God wanted to do. The Bible said very clearly in almost every translation you're going to read, he could do no mighty work. In other words, their unbelief, their offense, their refusing to see what God was doing in Jesus limited Jesus' ability to do mighty works in that town. I realize sometimes for people theologically, they have a difficult time. But the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms that the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. And so one of the things, what they did in effect was they closed the door on God. Now I'm going to show you why that's so accurate. They closed the door to him. They were offended. But there was another group. And this was the group just right across the lake in Mark, the sixth chapter, the very same chapter. That's why I love this. Same chapter is where we get this. In Mark chapter six, let's read verses 53 and 56. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they, and this is Jesus, came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. That's Jesus. And they ran throughout that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was and wherever he entered, in the villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the streets, marketplaces, and begged him. They might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. Same Jesus, same chapter. Now, here's some people who opened the door to God. Now, remember, I haven't, I haven't left my first premise here. We look at these things because we want to learn. We look at these things and we go, boy, Jesus Folks in his hometown didn't do the right thing. But here are some people who did. So we can learn what they did. So as we see some things, there's some things that really stand out. The people recognized him. It didn't say they asked him a ton of questions. Hey, Jesus, you know, why'd you come? Jesus, are, are you going to do any miracles here? Jesus, um, you know, we heard that you didn't, things didn't go too well in Nazareth. You got, you got anything better working for us? I hope you do, Jesus. They didn't, they didn't ask him any questions. They, they, they recognized him, but they recognized him as a healer and a miracle worker. You've got to understand, this is, that's completely different. Somebody spotted Jesus coming on and landing on the shore, and when they spotted him, they went, is that who I think it is? Oh, 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 that's, that's Jesus. And we're thinking, Jesus is here. Someone said, who's that? And like, what do you mean, who's that? You know exactly who that is. That's the guy who's been healing people and raising dead people. He's amazing. God's power flows through him. People just touch him and get healed. Somebody is spreading that kind of information because 
Man, the Bible said they begin to run throughout the whole area. And they're running. And, and, and at first they asked Jesus, here's the one question they asked him, Jesus, do you mind if we just lay the sick out in the street and when they come by, you don't have to stop Jesus. You don't have to lay hands on them. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to counsel with them for hours. All you have to do, Jesus, is walk by and we're going to touch you. That's, we're going to touch you. No, no, we don't have to touch your leg. We just touch the robe, just the robe. Now listen, this is, this is an amazing thing. And so then, not only did they tell, they just begged Jesus, please just let us do that. That's all they asked. I want to tell you something right there. Extremely respectful. Extremely honoring. Jesus, you're, you're the healer. You can do amazing things. But can we just, is, is it okay if we just lay the sick in the street and you can walk by? Can you imagine that? That's a whole different story from the people across the lake with their arms crossed going, isn't he the carpenter? It's, how is God... How are mighty works being done by his hands? Can you see the difference? The perspective. One closed the door on God. But these people across the lake, and I don't know who they were, but somebody had gotten the good news to them, and they begin to run and put people, they put the sick out in the streets. Now, those of you who've been sick, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I'm sick, I don't want you touching me. I want you to leave me alone. Joy likes to ask me 150 questions when I'm sick. I don't want questions when I'm sick. I want you just to just leave it and go. But now they're, they're dragging people out into the street and they're telling them, look, all, we, all you got to do, listen, Jesus is going to come by. All you have to do is touch his robe. Does he have to? No, no, just touch his robe. Does he have to? No, no, no. You have to ask him anything. No, he doesn't care what you've done. Just touch his robe. And the Bible said as many as touched him were made whole. And we read that and kind of skip over that. Do you realize what an amazing healing revival that was? You got sick people laying all out in the streets and Jesus is walking by and they're just touching him and all of a sudden they feel different and they're getting up and they're going, oh my gosh, I'm healed. And I bet there, there was just a crowd and they were rejoicing and they were, giving, they were giving thanks. The Bible doesn't make a big deal of it, but that's a big deal. So, well, why didn't he do that in Nazareth? Well, because in Nazareth, they weren't saying, Jesus, just please Oh, we're just so glad you're here. They had their hands, their arms folded and they weren't open and they closed the door. How do we open the door to God? How can we? I don't know about you, but I want to be like the people across the lake who just go, God, you can do great things. You can do great things in my life. We sing that song, but man, I, I want that real in my life. So let me give you some ideas about some things we can do to open the door to more of God in our life. Here's the first one. Less questions, more declarations. Less questioning of, can God do this? Can God give me wisdom? Can God work mighty miracles? Can God still do things? You, you, that's not a good way to go. You don't want to go with, with questions. Why God and can God? You, you, want, to, you want to make declarations, but here, here's what we're going to declare. God can give me wisdom. God can do amazing things. He can do amazing miracles. So well, what's the basis of that? I don't want to just run off saying crazy things. Okay, well, look, look at this. In James, first chapter, 
It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you realize if you ask God for wisdom, he can give you wisdom. He will not, he can criticize you. He will not make fun of you. He will not look at you like, oh, you are so stupid. He will give you wisdom. And do you realize that if you get wisdom from God, I want to tell you something. After you get wisdom from God, everything else just becomes secondary. Because when you have his wisdom, <laughs> that is just a wonderful way. And, and can he do it for you? Don't even ask that. Was, yeah, God can. God can. I'm not, I'm not wondering. I'm not, I don't know. And I, No, God can. And so this is where, remember, we want to open the door. So all the questioning is not helping. I don't know if God can do that. Listen, God, God has wisdom. And he is, it's amazing how he can get wisdom. It was God's wisdom that got us back here. In fact, I was telling my son the other night, yesterday, Mark the 30th year that we came back to Texas. And uh, it was the 30th year on the day that God opened a huge door for us to move. We didn't have the money to move. And God opened a door and got us back to Texas. And man, I want to tell you something. God's wisdom was for us coming back. And God has wisdom for us. That was before I was a pastor. In fact, I was a failed pastor at the time. I was just in, in sales. If God did it for me, he will do it for you. He will give you wisdom. The Bible said, you don't have to be perfect. Just come humbly and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. And God can give you wisdom. He knows what's up ahead and he knows what to do. So he can give you wisdom. Here's the second one. Can God do mighty miracles? Well, Alan, the day of the day of miracles has passed. No, no, there was no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles and he hasn't ever changed. And he's still powerful and he's still doing powerful things. In Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20, it said, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to his power that works in us. So, okay. So instead of saying, can God, we begin to declare God can. So that's the first one. God can do this. Can God help us? God can do this. One of the things that Joy and I love to say around our house all the time, God's helping us. God's been good to us. God is good to us and he is helping us. We say that all the time. We're not asking, can he? We know he can. And so that would help you. Less questions, more declarations. Here's the second one we want to do. Instead of how is God going to? That's what, man, (laughs) isn't that, we are so human. How is God going to help me turn this situation around? How is God going to get us back to where we're whole again? How is God? Have you ever noticed that we get caught up in the how? My two sons, for a while, when they, when they got a marrying age, um, Matt was living in Bolivia at the time. Michael was living in a small town in Texas. Both of them told me that there were no available women in that town. And they're like, how, how, is, how is God going to be able to get my wife. Matt was in Bolivia. He said, he called me, he told me from, from Bolivia one time, he said, trust me. He said, where I'm living in this town, there is no temptation whatsoever, none. He said, none. And Michael was telling me there, there's no available, there's no available. And so we get caught up in how is God going to do that? I want to tell you something. God moved in both of my boys' life and both of them have wonderful wives and have given given Joy and I grandchildren, love it. But here's the deal. Don't try to figure out how God's going to do it. Just be convinced that he can. That's our job. My job is to believe that he can. It is not for me to figure out how he's going to do it. 
Look at this verse in Romans. Now, I won't be able to break. I love this verse, these two passages here, but I won't be able to go into all of them. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham did not waver or separate himself from the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And here's this next one. And being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, that's, that, that's two things. One, he said he didn't separate himself from God's promise. God promised him he would have a son in his old age. And he said he didn't separate himself from that promise by going, how is God going to do that? And I'm too old. He said he didn't say, he, he said his faith was strengthened as he gave glory to God. So he's praising God and giving glory to God for he ever saw his son Isaac. He said, and then he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to do. Has God made you any promises? Has he spoken to you? Yes, he has. He said he can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He said he can give you wisdom. He said he can give you, he can be the strength of your life. He said he can absolutely help you just recover in, in terms of maybe you're just dealing with it mentally and, and your mental health and, and emotional health is a wreck. Can he make you whole again? Absolutely. He can do it. And you say, well, how, how is it because I've been? No, no, no. Don't worry about the how. Just, just be convinced he can. And you say, Lord, thank you. I don't know how, but I thank you. It's not my job to tell you how. It's my job just to stay on this end going, thank you. I'm convinced that you can. What are we doing? We're talking about opening the door to God in our lives. Let me give you a couple more. Because we're opening the door. So we've got... We're not questioning. We're declaring. Uh, Here's another one, and this is a good one. We're shifting the focus. We're shifting the focus away from who we are in the flesh. In other words, we're so conscious of who we are, just naturally speaking. I'm a middle-aged white male, you know, from... No, 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 no. We're so focused oftentimes on the natural and that if that's all we ever focus on, then we think about our weaknesses. We think about our inabilities. We think about how we've missed it. There's, I need to shift my focus away from just simply who Alan Clayton is in the natural. And I need to shift it over to what God has done in me. Remember Jesus, people in Jesus' hometown, they couldn't get off the idea that he was a carpenter and how was, he wasn't educated like the other scribes and priests. How in the world could he be doing that? How can he, They just couldn't get off who Jesus was in the natural to see what God was doing in him. And that's where we want to be. We want to be focused and focusing on what God has done in us. In the book of Philemon, in verse 6, It said that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Here's another way of saying that, that your faith becomes effective by acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. Now, just stop for a moment. How often are we so quick to acknowledge our weaknesses or where we've come up short? And how, how often have we not been willing to say, Lord, wait a minute, because I'm in Christ Jesus, You know, the good thing is I'm a child of God. I am one of your children. In fact, we talked about this. I'm one of the children whom you love. I'm a child who God loves. I'm a disciple who Jesus loves. I'm a partner together with the Holy Spirit. Man, I got some good things in me. I'm not only am I a child that you love, Father, but I'm a child that you are willing to help. You are helping me because I belong to you. I'm, I'm one of your children through faith in Jesus Christ. What are we doing? 
where he's starting to acknowledge the good things that are in us. Listen, you've already acknowledged all the negative stuff in you, and you might have people around you who keep reminding you of all the negative stuff in you. You know what that's like? That's like watching the news. It is not helping you. And so he said, Alan, are you going to get on the news again? Yep, I'm going to get on the news again because now we've got something new to worry about. Now, instead of worrying just about the coronavirus, they brought up murder hornets. Yep, murder hornets. Like we need something else to worry about. So <laughs> listen, guys, I'm just, I'm just telling you, focusing on the negative is not going to help you open the door to God in your life. Focusing on all your weaknesses and, sh- and failures and shortcomings. I know you got them, you got them, I got them, everybody's got them. But that's not where we acknowledge. We acknowledge, God, you've done wonderful things in me. You are my father. You love me. You're my light. You're my salvation. There we go to declaring again, God, you're big in my life. So what are you doing? We're shifting the focus so we can, we can think that, you know what? God would even help me. And that's where, that's where you have to go to. The idea that God would even help you, that you make it personal, Because when you make it personal, you make it powerful. When God's doing something in other people, that's great. But the idea that God can do something big in you, that's even better. So we're acknowledging that. And then the last one is this, is that we begin to acknowledge and put some positive um, action into our beliefs. Put some positive action. Remember those people across the lake, of Gennesaret, they ran and they put those people in the streets. And they put the people in the streets before Jesus showed up. And so there's some things that we can do before we see God work miracles, before we see good things in our life. There are some things we can do. Here's one. First, stop questioning whether or not you have faith and can trust God. Just stop asking. I don't know. I don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I can trust God. Stop asking yourself that question. Just go ahead and tell yourself, I do have faith and I can trust God. Just, just settle that. I have faith and I can trust God. It'll do you good just to talk that way. I have faith and I can trust God. We can trust God. You, you can look around your family and go, you know, we're a family that trusts God. And that's a, that's a great thing to say. So you begin to say that. And then you begin to act like God's got a big place in your life. You say, well, how in the world do I do that? I'm not a preacher. I'm not in ministry full time. How do I begin to do that? I'm going to give you just a real quick, real quick guideline, real quick checklist, and, and we'll close with this. But it said, rejoice always. This is First Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that good? How do I, how do I begin to open the door big to, to God? That I want him big in my life again. How do I open that door? I begin to rejoice. I'm rejoicing always before, like I said, remember, they laid, they laid the sick in the streets before Jesus came. Listen, before you see things turn around in your life, can you begin to rejoice ahead of time? Before you see things change, can you, before you see all your prayers answered, can you, can you keep praying, keep talking to God? And how about this one? Before everything gets wonderful, can you keep giving thanks and just continuing to give thanks? Now, maybe you're thinking right now, you know what? Right now, things are pretty good with me. Well, then let let me encourage you even more to do that, to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. And what you're doing is 
you're getting stronger in an area before anything ever goes challenging because we, we will always have challenges in life. And so if you can, you can just practice these things. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice more tomorrow than I did today. I'm going to pray and talk to God more tomorrow than I did today. I'm going to give thanks. Before I go to bed tonight, I'm just going to thank God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're working in me. Thank you. You're doing big things in my life and the life of my family. Thank you, God. You're really, really good. And as you do that, you just begin to open the door big to God. You know where this starts? It starts just on on such a basic level with opening the door to Jesus in your life. You know, the very unique thing about God is he doesn't force his way into anyone's life. He'll let you open the door. Revelation says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door. So in other words, we open the door. Man, I, I can, I, I opened the door to the Lord years ago in my life. You can do the very same thing. Or maybe you, you recognize, hey, I, I opened my, that door years ago. I've gotten away from him. You know what? The beautiful thing is he's still there. All I have to do is say, Lord, I'm opening the door to you. I need you in my life. I want you back. We're going to say a very simple, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. After we say the prayer, I want you to, I want you to put some positive faith into action. I want you to, to act on that. By we have, there's buttons you can click or you can text in the words 313131. Text the word in and let us know. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to add you to our prayer list. That's the action you can do. But the first thing you do is you acknowledge, I need the Lord in my life or I need him back in my life. And so we're going to pray. So I'm going to have you bow your head. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. What a great prayer. We're so glad that you prayed that. Let me just take a moment and pray for those of you who are, maybe you've already, you made that decision a while ago or you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Let me just pray just a moment for you that the Lord will strengthen you, that he'll talk to you in this. That, that you can begin to open the door big or bigger to him. Heavenly Father, so grateful for all of those who tonight or sometime during their week, they made the decision to turn on something that would help them and put your word in their lives. Father, I thank you that your desire is to be even bigger in their life, to do even greater things, to complete the work that you started in them, and we know that you'll do that. So we thank you, Father. Thank you for showing us how in our lives individually we can continue to open the door to you to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. Father, to declare that you are our God and you're doing great things. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, thank you for watching something. We believe that these these internet church, these internet Wednesday night, these internet Bible study, We believe it can make a difference in your life. 
if we were all together, we always have a great time uh, on Wednesday nights, on Sundays. But while we're apart, continuing to feed yourself and to feed your heart is so important. So, I, so props to you for doing it. I would encourage you to continue to do it. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.